0: now is the time for us to train our minds and train them for the sake of bringing up uh, knowledge and wisdom so that we can see all things are conventions and in doing this our minds reach emptiness because during the course of just one day our minds pick up and receive many different sense impressions and it's natural that we constantly grasp at those. So whenever this pasa or contact um, comes up, such as through the eye, so the eye has the duty to send images to the heart, and the ear has the duty to send sounds to the mind. So whether it's uh, forms or sounds, odors, tastes physical contact or thoughts that arise in the heart when the mind knows these uh, picks up these sense impressions and they'll just be this uh, conventions uh, coming out of the mind constantly taking them personally in terms of the self so sometimes we attach uh, to these, give importance uh, to this self. If we really are better than others, then sometimes we can think that we're better than them. Sometimes we can think that we are equal and sometimes worse. And this, these thoughts are ditimana, as conceit uh, of the mind. So sometimes we are better and we think that we're better or we think that we're equal, we think that we're lower. Or maybe we are equal to someone and we think that we're equal to them, or we think that we're better or lower. Sometimes we are lower and our mind thinks that we are lower, or we're higher, or we're equal. This is the nine forms of conceit that can arise in the mind and does so constantly. All taking things as a self. So therefore, we need to take the time to train our minds, because there's always this self, this ego that's disturbing our hearts. And the Buddha taught us that we need to train them. So now we have the time to chant, to refine our minds, to refine this disturbance and chaos into peace. So sometimes the mind is still and calm, um, and if we have taken the time to train our minds before, then it won't be too difficult um, if we have sincerity to bring the mind into a state of samadhi. But for people who are new at this practice, we need to be patient. It's common to demand the fast route, the shortcut, wanting the fastest way. But we need to um, calm this down, because these things, they simply take time. So for us, we were in the womb for nine months. And then when we were born, we had to crawl first, and then we can walk a little bit, and then slowly we train until we can run, until we're able to help ourselves. And we go off and study, but we have to study for many years, ever since kindergarten, until graduating from university. And then we can become dependent upon ourselves. We don't have to rely on our parents anymore once we go out and work. But to reach this state of self-dependence, it takes a lot of time. But when we practice, if we just want things quickly. Um, We just want to develop mindfulness very fast, want to have a lot of samadhi, want for the mind to be imbued with wisdom. This is just uh, practicing through attachment, because it's this um, attachment and craving that cause suffering. So when we have a lot of these, then the mind will suffer. And all of the suffering is due to the sense of self that we have. So there's a lots of different emotions in the mind. A lot of anger, a lot of hate, a lot of love, a lot of delusion. And if we just want to get more and more good qualities quickly, that shows the mind is very deluded. Some people just want to uh, be born many, many times. Some people don't want to be born ever. And when there's a lot of suffering in the heart, um, sometimes people can just give up. They can become dejected and not want to fight anymore. So say some people uh, have to deal with a lot of physical pain, a lot of illness. And when they meet with all that torment in the body, then they can just give up. The mind uh, loses its energy. So we need to be aware of what's happening in the heart. If it is um, feeling like it's about to become dejected, uh, we need to know that that's happening. Know that the suffering in the mind arises from attachment, from clinging, to the five aggregates. We need to bring up mindfulness so that it can teach our minds the way out of suffering, to bring up as much skillful qualities as we can. Think about things that bring up happiness, like the goodness that we've done in the past, the way we've helped out society, helped out other people, bringing up fullness in our minds, leading our hearts away from suffering, We can contemplate or uh, reflect upon the Buddha, use this as an object of recollection. Maybe we have a Buddha image that we like a lot. When we look at it, we feel just happy and joyful. So we do that uh, very often. When there's suffering in the mind, then it's possible to look at a Buddha image, and that will uh, draw out the suffering. Well, some people are skilled at craftwork and maybe they can mold or craft Buddha images this makes them very happy the mind is full of joy and it's not dried out so whatever brings up this joy and happiness then we use that and we live our lives in that way um, seeking out this food for our hearts because externally We have everything that we need already. The requisites are abundant. We have food for the body. We have clothing. We have shelter. We have medicine. But if our hearts are still suffering, that shows that they are lacking food. So we need to feed them, to give them this uh, inner uh, sustenance. But we also have to be patient as well. It's not the case that when we practice, we immediately get results. And if we expect that, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. This desire uh, builds up pressure on the heart. But we need time for this practice. We need to give it time. But also, we have to put an effort and to set our hearts on this path of practice. And eventually we will meet with success. So we need to be contemplating and studying the mind, studying this way of practice. And we also have to have a sense of contentment and also inspiration in this meditation as well. See the benefits of cultivating sila, samadhi and banya See the harm in not having Sila. When we see this harm, this will give us inspiration to keep Sila. Because the keeping of morality is of great benefit, of great fruit, brings benefit to ourselves and to others. We may gain this faith in Sila um, through trust. Or we may gain it through wisdom, through looking at what the effects of maintaining sila are. But whatever path we choose, we'll see that it brings happiness. That it takes the mind out of uh, confusion and chaos. We see that if we act unskillfully, then that comes back to us. If we shout at others, we insult others, then... Other people have the habit of insulting us. So we should maintain the qualities of kindness and compassion in our hearts because these are the foundation of morality. Now we live in the communication age, and it can be very difficult to maintain morality well because it's so easy to hurt other people. It's so quick. In previous times, we had to wait until we saw someone we're actually physically with them until we could talk with them but now we can immediately do it so we have to take a lot of care around morality even more care than we did than was necessary in previous times to do this we must also have mindfulness this recollection the knowing of all of the qualities present in the heart because it's natural that all of the sense impressions we experience, they, they rush into the mind. And as soon as the mind receives them, then samuti conventions will appear. And during just the space of one day, we can attach to so many things, taking everything that we meet as me or mine, self or other, So meditation and keeping the mind on an object is really important. And when we do this, then eventually we'll reach the time for the heart to feel full, which means that we've fed our hearts well. We know what it's like to feel full in our stomachs, for our physical bodies to be well-nourished. We know what it's like when they're not well-nourished. We feel hungry. But for most people, if the heart is lacking food, they just don't know it. They don't know because they don't have anything to compare it against. If the body is hungry, then they go and fill it up with food. But for the heart, people don't know that it's hungry. So it just becomes dry and withered. But if we have practiced before, then we'll know what a full heart feels like. We'll know what joy in the mind feels like. So we have something to compare it against. And we know that now the mind is dry. Now it's feeling depressed. So this depression of the heart is tinamita, what's normally translated as sloth and torpor. It's an inner sinking in inner dullness or depression. Maybe we'll come to the point where we just don't want to stay in this world anymore. We're fed up with life. We don't want to have to meet with anyone, to see anyone. Perhaps this feeling comes up with great strength or just a small amount. Um, But no matter what degree it's present, it all acts to prevent peace. And this shows that at that moment, a heart is lacking calm. So if we have um, mindfulness, what that works as is an instrument to measure our hearts. So these days, uh, it's very common to have uh, instruments to measure people's body temperature. So with this pandemic that's coming around, um, we are often measured for our body temperature. And if people's temperature is very high, then they have to get separated out from the rest of society. Because perhaps they have the COVID virus. So people are very uh, weary of our bodily temperature and use instruments to measure that. But we also need an instrument to measure our hearts as well to see what our hearts are like each hour, each moment. Is there anything that they're deficient in? Is there enough mindfulness there? Is samadhi strong enough? Is wisdom present? If our minds are scattered, then why are they scattered? And it shows that our hearts are lacking food. So we have to train to contemplate until they can reach emptiness. Because the barriers to emptiness are many Um, But, really, all of these various forms of uh, obstacles to emptiness, they just come down to one thing, they gather together in attachment, it's all concerned with attachment. Maybe we hate someone, but we don't know that our minds are full of hate. We can ask ourselves, well, what is it that we're hating? This other person is just a collection of four elements. There's just hair and skin and bones. They have bones, but don't I have bones as well? These teeth, really teeth, are just bones. Other people have them. I have them. They're just made up of calcium. So if I hate this person, then surely I should also hate myself, because really, we're just the same. We have bones, just the same. There's no difference. Some people, once uh, before, loved each other very much, but now they um, can hate each other. Oh, sorry, once maybe two people, they loved each other very much, but one of them died. And uh, all that's left of that person is just bones. And instead of that love, they just uh, have fear of that person fear of that that set of skeletons. Or maybe there's a skeleton that's in the cabinet and we have to sleep close to it and we're so scared at night, scared that the skeleton is going to come out of the cabinet, going to do some harmful act towards us. But if that skeleton skeleton could talk. Perhaps it would ask us, well, why are you so scared of me? Don't you have bones as well? What about all the other people you see walking around? Don't they have bones? When you walk, when you sit, when you lie down, what is it that's walking, that's sitting? When you smile, what's underneath that smile? Is it really any different from what I have? And shouldn't you be more afraid of bones that can walk around, because me, I'm just hanging here harmlessly. But walking bones, they can still hit, they can kill, if those bones um, also have anger attached to them as well. The mind is able to use them to create harm. We see that people can be so deluded in this way. So when these bones have life, then people aren't so afraid of them. But when they're dead, then there can be a lot of fear. And I had this as well, this great fear. Um, I didn't want to get anywhere near to a dead body. and There was so much uh, terror in my mind towards death, towards bones. But I uh, would use the meditation object of the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha to relieve my fear. was one instance that I went to stay in a meditation monastery that was a branch of the and um, I had to stay above a place where, where they stored um, dead bodies. And before I slept, I went for refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, and then went to lie down. There was a storm that blew in that night, and it was raining very hard. And the walls of this hut were just made out of robes, so it was very thin. And Even though there was a monk staying just four meters away, he couldn't do anything to help me. So there were bones there underneath where I was staying. And um, I didn't know, or I thought that perhaps they would come up and attack me that night. But I also... Um, thought that, well, if I die, then I'll just die. So there was fear eating out my heart throughout the entire night. Um, And it was raining so hard that I couldn't really get to sleep, where I slept just fitfully, sleeping some and then waking up and meditating more. But really, the mind was always awake throughout that night. There was constant mindfulness there. So the skeleton actually turned into my teacher, taught me very very well because I didn't get to sleep because there wasn't much ease in the mind. So I was able to meditate throughout the night. So when we train ourselves then the mind does gather into peace and we gain knowledge but this comes up little by little. Initially there's a lot of fear but we also have to have bravery in the heart too. Maybe uh, Samadhi won't be so firmly established, but we carry on practicing, carry on using the word Buddha. And we have faith in Buddha, knowing that if we keep this in our hearts, then nothing can harm us. When our minds are with Buddha, then they'll come together into peace and wisdom can arise. In the beginning, however, this wisdom won't be clear, but as we train, it slowly becomes better. So we need to depend on this training, the training of our heart. However, we also need to give it time as well. Time for knowledge to arise. Give the practice time to fill up our hearts to make them feel full, full with the dhamma. So This dhamma is not only food, but it's also medicine for our hearts. So we can sit and recollect the goodness that we've done. Maybe if we have worked or donated um, towards the construction of a Buddha image, we can recollect that. Or maybe the creating of a, an image of a Krubhaya, maybe a Lumpur Cha, Lumpurman. Or perhaps we have a picture that we really like. And we can open up our eyes and look at that, and then close our eyes and recite Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha. So we use these things to contemplate, to make our minds peaceful until they become empty. And for Westerners usually like to contemplate. So we can use this object of emptiness, seeing everything as empty. There's no self, there's no me, there's no other, there's no being, no animal there. And the heart becomes full and joyful. We need to train in this way because normally we're attached to everything as being self. There's just self there all the time. So we must fill our minds up with food by sitting in meditation, contemplating until the heart turns empty. Maybe we see this emptiness to a great degree, or maybe it's just a small amount, but we need to carry on doing it. If our minds are dull or sleepy, then we should get up and walk. We shouldn't sit in meditation at that time. We should know how to look after our hearts. In order to do this, we have to have mindfulness there, so that we can take stock of what our minds are like. We can ask ourselves, how is the heart right now? Is there any greed, any hatred, and any delusion present? Or is the mind absent of greed, hatred and delusion? If it does have these defilements, then we know that, and we know how it is that they came about. And if they're not present, then we know that, and we know why they're absent. When the mind is bright, or when it's dark, then we know that. And we can adjust our meditation correctly, uh, appropriate to the state of the mind. So we need to develop sati a lot. To have that looking after our heart, so that we can see all of these emotions as being mere emotions. Otherwise they'll trick our hearts into running after the sense impressions we experience. So we must teach our minds to not fall into this trap. To not just follow anger or hatred or depression. To always be contemplating seeing everything as empty which means that we see it as anatta, as not-self. Because the Buddha taught that all dhamma, or phenomena, arises, lasts for a period, and then ceases. And this is how Anya Kundanya saw the dhamma. It's also how Venerable Asaji taught Venerable Sariputta, that all things that arise, arise dependent upon causes. So therefore, we need to bring the mind to a state of peace and use that to see everything arising and ceasing. If we do that, then it's possible to attain to sotapanna. So when the Buddha taught the five ascetics, what he taught them was about anicca, dukkha, anatta, and this inconstancy, uh, stress and not self. And we can think and ask ourselves, well, is there anything in the world that stays constant? Is there anything that endures? All sense impressions, all emotions, whether it's uh, depression, whether it's anger, whether it's love or hate, they all arise and cease. They're inconstant. They're not self. They're anatta. Therefore, we need to reflect in this way every day and carry on with this path of practice and be intense in this way. So today is the 29th of September 2020.